0: Woo-wee. I have drank an uncomfortable amount of cold brew this week, uh, trying out this new setup. Last time the audio was a little weak, and so made some improvements. We're trying to upgrade the audio and visual c- quality of the Folly Coffee podcast. Today's uh, live interview episode will be with barista Brandon, Brandon Martin, my business partner over at Philteric Cold Brewed Coffees. I see he just joined, I see he has sent a request to be in the video, cross our fingers. This works. Waiting for Breeze to Brandon, my audio went out. Oh, hey guys. Hey, can you hear me? I can. Okay, I can't hear myself through the microphone. Does it sound like a really high quality audio like I'm using the microphone, or do you think it's the phone again?
1: Could be the phone. I would think.
0: Yeah. Does it sound okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Well, I'll keep this here for visual effect. All right. So I was just kind of introducing you. And so we've got Barista Brandon, Brandon Martin, uh, my business partner over at Phil Cold Brewed Coffees. For those of you that don't know, Folly Coffee Roasters is the... Uh, We started in January of 2018. In April of 2018, Brandon approaches me about cold brew. I say, I'm not really interested. I'm super busy with Folly. I tasted what he was making. And then he goes, I only want to go on tap. And then also, I want to work with a variety of coffee roasters so that we have a full portfolio of cold brews because the cold brews on the market right now are just kind of like not exciting. They're not intricate. They're not complex. Uh, It's kind of like that standard, like, dark roasted, cheap coffee, kind of sweet, kind of simple. A lot of the ready-to-drink versions, especially canned or bottled, use sugar. uh, And you're like, why isn't it exciting? And so I've told kind of uh, my side of the story of Philterra, but your side of it was much more leading up to it than when I first met you. And so my story of Philterra Cold Brewed Coffees begins when you approached me about it. But your side of it, I imagine, started much, much earlier. So that's kind of where I wanted to start today, was get your side of it, because I don't even know if we've officially talked about at what point you started thinking about it or what inspired you to do it, and kind of the trajectory of where you started and leading up to it. So I guess kind of give your background of how you got started in coffee, uh, when did it switch over to cold brew, and then at what point did it turn into this might be something I want to do? Yeah.
1: Uh, so coffee for me started at Starbucks. Uh, I was working at the Hyatt, uh, through college, um, which had like a, uh, Starbucks inside of it. Uh, I fell in love with like just serving coffee, being behind the bar, um, you know, talking to people, all that stuff. Uh, and then the dream was to own my own coffee shop one day. Like I'm going to go through college, you know, get that day job. And then when I retire, I'll own a coffee shop. I uh, graduated during the recession. Uh, couldn't pull myself to get, like, a desk job. Um, it's just not my style. <laughs> so stayed at the height, kind of worked my way through there, doing different management stuff. Um, and then just decided, like, man, if you're going to do it, like, if this is a dream, just pull the trigger and hop in, like, true millennial fashion. Uh, so went on Craigslist and found a job uh managing a specialty coffee shop at blue ox which mm-hmm. is uh now black eye which is now closed um on 38th in chicago awesome spot uh i mean fell in love with specialty coffee then and just kind of went down this rabbit hole and like whatever um so at that point uh i've been making home coffee quite a bit my first ever was like aeropress mm-hmm. which is awesome if People on here don't have an aeropress, check it out. It's a great way to like, you can do so many different things with it. Um, but, anyways, so what, uh,
0: what year did you I know you said recession, so I imagine 2008, 2009.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, I think I dove in at like 2010 is when I started at Blue Ox. Okay. But I've been working at the Hyatt uh, beforehand and in, for a few years.
0: In
1: yeah, yep. Um. And then started getting into cold brew a little bit at home, which is like a little home toddy. And uh, for like a summer, I actually started selling it to friends. I don't know if I ever told you that in like mason jars. Um, when did you start doing like, that? Oh, god, that was uh, it was a while ago, man. It was like <laughs> eight years. I don't know.
0: It was, it was,
1: uh, yeah, I'm old. I did not know that. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was just like, people love cold brew. It's easy to make. Um, you know, you don't need a lot of equipment, like a latte. You don't need an espresso machine or anything. Um, so fast forward, worked my way through. I started working at Bootstrap, uh, doing sales for them. Worked at Quixotic. Uh, you know, just kind of hopping around. And then as I was in the industry, I kind of noticed that like uh, all these bars and restaurants and stuff want cold brew, but they don't want to do it themselves, um, you know, it's kind of a distraction for them. And then a lot of the roasters in town didn't offer commercial cold brew. Um,
0: so, so when you're when choice, you're brewing you know. these mason jars, of cold brew, when you're brewing these mason jars, of cold brew is your focus like I want to create the best tasting cold brew or were you just like, oh, man, you can make this at home. I bet I could sell some of this.
1: I was intrigued by the idea of, uh, you know, cause this hot coffee is amazing. Like pour-overs are like I always love pour-overs uh, and the flavor you get from that I wasn't able to get in cold brew and initially and I was like man there's just got to be a way that you can get some of that sweetness from like Ethiopia or something like that and have it come through in a cold brew and, yeah. and still to this day is like my goal is like what can you do with cold brew in a similar fashion with like pour-overs and stuff like what mm-hmm. variables can you manipulate Blah 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 to extract all these these flavors, um, so that was kind of like the catalyst. Initially, it was just like, man, I just want some cold brew in the morning. Uh, but with anything in coffee, it's a rabbit hole, and you know, I just keep going. Uh, so then you mess with all these variables. I have a somewhere in my house. There's a log of like everything. You know, roast date, uh, grind size, you weighing the water down to the gram, all that stuff everything you would do doing this on the
0: cold. Yeah. When, when you start doing this and you're, you're logging things and you're writing down grind size and coffee type and roast date and batch size, and all, this, all these different variables you're, you're manipulating with cold brew. Is this with the intention that man, I want to start something in cold brew someday, or were you just intrigued? No. That's like how good a cold brew can I make? Uh,
1: it was never a business idea. Well, I don't know. I never really thought about it too much. Um, I knew I wanted to own my own business, but I had no idea what it would be. Um, and actually, one of the strong, this is kind of sad, one of the strong catalysts of making, like, just, branding, you got to have your own business is health insurance. <laughs> you know, I was, I was in the coffee industry, and it's so hard to get health insurance. Um, and I called Minnesota Sure, and they're like, you know, it's really easy to get health insurance if you're your own employer, like if, you're, if you own your own company. I was like, oh, yeah. maybe that's how I do this. Uh, so that was, like, what put the fire underneath me uh, initially, and then, um, you know, chatting with you and then just fleshing out the idea for what, like, Filtera is and how we developed it. It was just – there's no going back. You know, like, once once I knew that there was a, a market for something like this and that we could do it, uh, it was, yeah, no question.
0: So that that's a sign that's always kind of confounded me is because – so I launched Folly in January of 2018 up to that point, I had moved back in May and we just met at random events and, you know, we knew each other. All right. By that point, we chatted at different events and Folly was four months in and we had a handful of stores. Uh, I'm really curious on your end, was that, how did you approach this business? Did you, did you know you wanted to start it with a partner or was it potentially a solo venture? Or how did you view it of what was the path to starting? And then how did you ultimately lead to the decision to even approach me with the idea?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Uh, so initially, I had no idea. It was just like, something's got to give you got to do it. Uh, so my backup plan was, dude, I'll just slay cobra at the farmer's market, yeah, <laughs> like out of my truck. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the more we, like, the it developed and the more I was talking with you, um, you know, you got to realize what you're good at and what you're not. Um, and I, I've always loved working with my hands. Like I just want to make coffee. I love serving it. I love creating it. Like, um, when I was at bootstrap, one of the coolest things was like, you're at the farmer's market and you're brewing hot coffee and you see like dozens of people walking around with something that you made. It was just like a really cool feeling. So I always knew that I wanted to make it. Um, and I also realized that I'm not good at, uh, you know, people things, <laughs> you know, in front of the house. Uh, I always wanted to be, like, the cook and then have someone else do, like, everything else type thing. Um, so uh, the more you and I interacted, it was pretty clear that, you know, our uh, talents complement each other pretty well. Um,
0: yeah, because I'm you're, like- I was like, I want to drink the coffee. I was like, I I love learning about it, but in terms of the actual like, the process, there's a certain level where I'm just like, my attention span can't hold up. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah,
0: um,
1: That and it just, it, it just makes sense. Like, it's just a big leader that life like, just throws opportunities at you and you just got to be aware of them. Um, and the fact that you worked for Sam Adams and like, you knew uh, you knew how to slang kegs, you know how to talk about it. Um, you know, you're a business owner, you've done this before. Um, you know, how do you go get a business license? How do you go, you know, all that stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, it was- yeah,
0: yeah, the speed at which we launched was pretty crazy because you introduced the idea to me in April, which I was hesitant at first, but then after tasting what you were doing, it was like, who there's something here. And then looking at that, as I've talked about in previous episodes of the podcast on the audio side was like, man, there's not a lot of people focusing on this. And then remembering back to my trips to Seattle and Portland and San Francisco and these West coast trips being like, man, everybody has Cold on tech. Like this is, this has gotta be a thing here. And, uh, yeah. So April's when you approached me, we ended up launching in September. Um, and you know the the whole story of Filterra is on another episode. Uh, if you go yes. to the Poly Coffee podcast, head to that. I talk about the whole process of starting, launching, and where we're at, and all that. So I don't want to get too deep into that because that could be the entire interview today. But I'm more curious about like the technical side of cold brew because it's it's interesting being the customer facing side of this business because it's with with folly. It's like I will put our coffees against anyone put our coffees on any table i know we're going to stand up uh and i know the quality we're roasting is going to be among the best in the country the cold brew side i go no this is the best like this is the best cold brew i've tasted and like i say that definitively and i know that makes you uncomfortable because you're like oh i'm humble and and i don't want to break but i'm like i can walk into any meeting or any tasting and any anyone where i'm giving somebody a sample and being like this cold brew is not like anyone is doing And so getting more into, like, the technical side, at what point in your home brewing process, while you're just, like, exploring the flavor possibilities of cold brew, what was the turning point where your cold brew went from just no different than what you get at the cafe to where you started to realize that what you were doing was much better tasting than what you could get out there?
1: Oh, man. I don't know if there was ever, like, a specific point. I think it was a gradual... Um, honestly, I was so into hot coffee, like professionally, um, you know, uh, learning everything you can about espresso and then pour overs, um, you know, going out to Seattle for my barista level one class. Um, and you know, it's honestly just taking those principles and translating it over to cold coffee, you know, traditionally like, uh, cold coffee and shops that I've worked out in the past, it's like old beans that didn't sell at retail and you're just throwing it in there um you know you grind it you're not weighing anything really you're just like oh this we have a five pound bag let's just throw that in there and you know hope for the best and then you know the the staff the next day would pull it at whatever time was convenient so it could be like 10 a.m it could be like in the afternoon and it's just i always thought it was crazy how like You go in and you open the shop and you're spending half an hour at least dialing in your espresso shot. You know, you're controlling the temperature and all this stuff. And then cold brew is always just like an afterthought. Um, So really it's just – so my dad's a mechanical engineer, and I think I get it from him. Um, You know, it's using like math and science uh, to get something that tastes good, which is kind of crazy because taste is so subjective. Um, but in reality, I mean, it's, you're looking at extraction with math and science. And so I think my philosophy has been just uh, record every variable that you possibly Mm -hmm. can, even if you don't think it's going to be useful. Um, And then just kind of tweak one thing at a time and see what works and what doesn't. uh, I mean, I think we're at a really good spot with Fultero, but I think there's so much more potential of like what, you know, is you can never be, 100% uh, 100% satisfied. Like, I'll never just be like, oh, we're good. Like, I'm just going to coast and, like, you know, you can always make it better. Uh, Absolutely. Which is, I love the challenge.
0: So, let's run through the process of how you would start from scratch on a brand new coffee, which we actually did recently with Spy House and then uh, onboarding them as a new partner. Run me through the process of you get a bean you've never brewed before. How do you decide where to start? And then how do you then dial in the recipe to exactly where you want to be? Yeah.
1: Um, So a lot of that is the coffee information that you get just right off the bat, like what roast level is it and what origin is it. And just from my experience in the hot coffee world, you kind of know what to expect with those two. Like if it's a darker roast, um, you know, you're looking for something big body chocolatey um, for lack of a better word, just tastes like, a solid coffee. Um, You know, if it's a a medium roast, that's a little bit uh, more fruity, maybe it's from like uh, Africa or uh, Central America or something, then, you know, you should be able to get some fruitier smooth notes, um, some light crisp um, type thing. And then um, what I'll do is I'll do two things. I'll honestly brew it hot. I'll try to bring it home and do a pour over of it just to like, you know, get that immediate, like, these are some flavor notes that you can get with a different brew method. Uh, and then go and brew three different batches of cold brew. Kind of using, like, my base knowledge, I'll do, like, one that um, I know it should be, like, decent based off previous ones that we've done. One uh, one that's kind of, like, a hopeful one. Like, a, mm-hmm. a little bit more experience. And then I'll do, like, a crazy one, like... Um, and then you kind of got to wait, and then you just keep doing that. Um, you know, you go and taste the next day, what worked, what didn't work. You can go look at all your variables and see what's different. And then um, with Spy House, it was actually really cool to get other people involved with that yeah. uh, With that process. So I think we went back and forth with them like four times, Yeah. something like that, um, which I geeked out on. That was so cool. Uh, so you, we sent it off to them, you know, they were like, Oh, we, we did a blind tasting. So we labeled each bag, a B or C. They had no idea what was different about them, but I did. Um, and they're like, Oh, we really like C, but part of B, uh, we were like the, the body of B. Like, can you take those two things and come back to us? And then, um, yeah. I mean, so like, if you wanted more body, like what do you do with hot coffee? If you want something with more body, um, Increase the extraction, which could be grind size, time. You know, it's all like uh there's all this different stuff. Agitation. Um, this is the
0: this is the type of information that ninety-nine percent of people are half asleep right now, but there's one percent that's like keep going deeper. Yeah. Uh, so we had, we had a couple questions come in uh from the Instagram story of what to ask you. The first one I think is just like very very easy answer, I think, is do you taste every batch going out? And when you're tasting it, uh, what are you looking for as you
1: taste it? Yeah, I mean, 100% taste every batch. Uh, Jeff, who helps us brew on uh, on the weekends, is there with us. Is got an incredible palate. Um, but, yeah, every batch. I mean, uh, so working at the high, I got some experience working in kitchens. And, you know, they always have a spoon on them. They're always tasting, always tasting. Mm-hmm. Um and I try to do that too. So literally every batch I'll taste at least once when it's done. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll take a little bit at different times during the brew just to see what's going on. Um, what was the other question?
0: What are you looking for? So uh, okay. let's, 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 let's talk about tasting two different situations here. So Spy House situation where we just onboarded them and it's a brand new coffee. What are you looking for when you taste it? Uh, when it's a brand new coffee, and then, what are you looking for on a coffee you've brewed 100 times already?
1: Um, yeah, so for, for Filterra, I think uh, if we have a coffee that's on the menu, I'm looking for consistency. Mm-hmm. So is this tasting as it tasted last week? And if not, why? What changed? You and know, you the track, roast date.
0: When you say it tastes like it does last week, do you have any way of tracking that information or is it just from memory?
1: Oh no, it's spreadsheets galore, baby. (laughs) I can literally go back at every single brew that we've ever done, and there's comments on it with every single variable. Uh, Mm. It's a giant spreadsheet. Um, So, that, uh, yeah, so we're tasting for consistency. Is it up to par? Yeah. Um, You know, if it's better, which it happens, uh, what change that made it better? Um, You know, occasionally it's a little worse, and like, all right. Why? How can we avoid that going forward? Um, you never want any any change to be drastic, like week to week. Um, you know, when you go to McDonald's and you get a, a burger, it's going to taste the same every single time. I think as a business, consistency is huge. Um, yeah. And then I try to use uh, the cupping. Uh, you know, the cupping sheet they use for hot coffee. Yeah. So you have like 10 different like categories. You write each one on uh, zero to 10 and kind of translate that over to coffee. So you're looking for sweetness, bitterness, body, um, acidity, you know, all that stuff. Um, yeah.
0: And then another question we got in is during this time, during COVID-19 and things are crazier than ever, how do you approach brewing during this time? in terms of like safety, like what, what, is there anything you're doing differently or is it something that protocol is already in place for this type of thing?
1: Yeah. So I've always been, uh, probably overly concerned about food safety just cause I'm OCD like that. So I think we've had a lot of procedures in place already. Like thankfully I had like a hundred and so masks that I use, uh, when we grind coffee, Uh, all those particles get in the air and you don't want to breathe that in. So we had some, some mass already. Um, You know, we have gloves, all that stuff. So thankfully we had all that stuff in inventory already and uh, our practices are so that, you know, you're not going to, you don't really have direct contact with the the end product at all. You know, it's a pretty contactless brew that we have. Um, I will say if
0: there's one thing I wasn't at all concerned about was like, Oh, we need to change our, our what Brandon's doing. Cause I've, I've read through your hazard action, critical control point plan and just no. Yeah. So it, it is an interesting one because you almost, there's a lot of businesses out there that feel compelled that they need to tell you what they're doing differently. And there's a part of me that's like, if you're doing something different, haven't you already kind of been controlled? Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of, risk factors out there, and you should be controlling for all of them, even when it is isn't a crisis, but I'm not going to be the one to say it, but I just said it, so I guess I'm the one to say
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, dude, it's a little, were you coughing on my food before? Like, what's going on?
0: And so, Uh, and then the third question, which was submitted by me, is, have you always been a fan of hip-hop, and how did that start? Because that is something, (laughs) I I did not know this about you, until all of a sudden, every time I went to stop by and you happened to be brewing. Hip hop blasted in the background. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Oh, this is like his thing." And then I start asking for suggestions, and you're throwing out these albums I've never heard of or never listened to. I'm like, "Okay, like I can get down with this." Heck, Dude,
1: I, can- I can remember the day I thought, uh, at a, it was in eighth grade, and this guy uh, Alex Polkev, I don't know if he's on here, <laughs> uh, gave me uh, a like. You remember back in the day, people used to like burn mixtapes and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, he like gave off me, the
1: radio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a CD of Atmosphere who I've never heard of uh, at that point. And it, uh, from there, it, he, uh, Alex Bokev, I owe him my, my love of uh, hip-hop. Um, and then I went to a Wu-Tang concert, I think, when I was, like, way too young, ninth or 10th grade, something like that, at the Myth, I think, which was insane. I didn't even know what I was getting into. Uh but that was those two events in my life I look at, uh <laughs> Wu Tang and
0: Alex yeah, Some good, you know, young people content, I think. They they, they cover some, some <laughs> yeah. nice, uh, family friendly uh topics in their yeah. in, in their songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. I, I'm curious on your end because uh Obviously, you know, I, I interesting situation on my side. I've got Folly and Philterra, but Philterra being your first business venture, going into it, what did you expect? How has it been different? Has it been good? Has it been bad? Or like, what What? What are kind of the big things about starting your own business uh, that have been not what you expected?
1: Uh, That's a good question. I think probably one of the earliest lessons I learned was how easy it is to like literally start a business. And, like, I always thought it was like, I don't know why, but like a month long process of all these forms and everything. And like, I think you went online and filled out like the Minnesota stuff and like 15 minutes later, or like official
0: uh, you know, <laughs> just, you're like $200 had, later. Yeah. Once we had the name design, you're like, okay, what do we do now? Like who do we contact? I was like, what do you mean? Like to file the business? I was like, Oh, just yeah.
1: Let me know. I'll file <laughs> it. <laughs> it was nuts. i like, man, why, why doesn't everyone have a business? Uh, yeah. Um and then, you know, once you start getting into it, it's a little different. But um I love it every day. I mean it's you're not working for anyone else but yourself and I love the unique problems that come up. Um, you know, like this is the coronavirus was a great example, like our wholesale business pretty much tanked overnight. Um I mean, so you have the the decision to either like what are you gonna do, just lay there and go out of business or do you adapt and like uh, like change your business and so now we're doing home deliveries which has been fantastic um and people really dig it and it could be a long term play uh we'll see but stuff like that where you know it's every day is a little bit different there's a new challenge and it's your own challenge like you're you're not you don't have to go ask a boss for approval to you know do this, this and this you just do it. Um I mean, what about you? You have a third business coming along anytime soon?
0: No, I've been I've been very outward about this that it's all kind of made up. Like it's kind of what you said you 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 view it from the outside in, and you go, man, starting a business is a whole official thing, and everybody that does it knows exactly what they're doing, and like everybody's got a plan, and it's kind of you realize more and more that the stuff that ends up working and doesn't working is never what you expect, and so I mean Phil Terry is the ultimate example. I was not even a huge cold brew fan as most coffee nerds aren't most extreme coffee nerds actually kind of scoff at cold brew. It's a very simple flavor profile. It generally, when you brew it in the traditional manner, it's, it's like simple, it's sweet. It's all right. You can crush it for some caffeine. And that's kind of like the perception of cold brew. And then all of a sudden you come along and I'm like, Oh yeah, Brandon, like I know he's done. He's been in coffee for a long time. Uh, you approached me about cold brew and I'm like, I don't don't know, but then you taste it and we kind of just stumbled into this thing. And the filter side of things is really interesting because again, you think businesses are these things that you have this grand master plan, but all we had was what I think is just a really great product and an interesting lane. At the time, I didn't know if it was a good lane, but I was like, (laughs) At the very least this lane we're pursuing is interesting. What I mean by that is on tap only mm-hmm. is I'm like, I, and as I've told you, blue ocean strategy, look up that book. It's, it's like what Filtero builds on from like a marketing branding and like business strategy perspective. But I get super intrigued by anything that's different. If I haven't heard of it before, I'm interested. And so I tasted your cold brew. And right away I was like, this is different than anything I've tasted. And so right away I'm like, that's super intriguing. And then being on tap only, I'm like, not only is that different than any company, I don't know of any cold brew company that's only on tap. I go, that's intriguing. And then your final idea of, I don't want to just be a cold brew. I want to be a like partner to some of the area's best roasters. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, there's the final piece. And so I think it was like a very interesting lane. I think it was a great idea. And ultimately the the product, the cold brew was incredible. And like you said, it's not like I had this grandmaster plan laid out. I go, I've sold the bars, restaurants, cafes before, like, let's, let's do it. And, um, It was much different than starting Folly because Folly was like a scratch build out in terms of we had to literally build an entire roasting facility. We had to get approvals from Department of Agriculture from scratch, it was an entirely new facility. Whereas for this one, we started in that community kitchen. And I think the thing that astounded me about this was the speed at which it happened. And then the biggest difference between Folly and Filterra is that with Folly, obviously I started it Like on my, you know, I was the sole owner of the business. And so ultimate, ultimate decision-making was left up to me. And then in partnering with you, I was honestly a bit hesitant because I've read all the horror stories in business of a partnership in business. And I was like, I know my personality type that I'm very decisive about the things that I think work and don't. And that could be a big problem. But what you said earlier, and I've alluded to this many times is like, specialization in business in a partnership is so key and yeah. the things that you're passionate about ultimately we're both passionate about the best tasting cold brew we can make and then after that you're passionate about the production side and how can we continue to not only make the best cold brew but even get better and then on my side it's like where can i take it to more people and customer facing is me back of house is you and there are times i've I might want to say something and I don't. And there, I'm sure there are times that you go, maybe (laughs) I have a different opinion, but you don't because we've created these tight links. And, uh, and then I think the last piece is, uh, uh, you're just, you're a super, super hard worker. And, uh, like, that is such a critical component to point out because I think sometimes, especially in this time with small business for, small businesses that are doing, you know, well, or continuing to grow, at least it might seem easy. Uh, but your willingness to just do work. And then I pride myself on being a hard yeah, likewise.
1: Yeah. yeah, when you
0: combine people like that, things just get done. And that's what yeah. I think. That's what I didn't expect. Because quite honestly, I did not know you that well when we launched. <laughs> and so like, I knew, about like your reputation and I was kind of asked around and uh, more and more people said that'd be a great person to partner with. But like the biggest thing is like, just there's never a situation where I'm like, we're not going to figure this out because, because of just we're both willing to work hard. And it's like, man, if you have a great product, if you have a good idea and you're willing to work hard, like, yeah, you might not be Amazon, but you're going to have a really nice business.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. I think even without a great product, as long as you're working hard, you know, that's at the end of the day, you'll find something that it'll, it'll give, it's, it's
0: yeah, hard work yeah.
1: pays off hundred percent. So,
0: so that's kind of the, the, the thing that I didn't expect with Jolterra was we found my biggest worry in starting it is this is super specific niche to pursue, cold brew on tap and our timing was really great too. Yeah, the timing is good. I think more and more people are looking for something unique. Uh, But man, I was like, this is a super specific lane. But ultimately, the the startup costs like we started, we both split fifty, whatever it was, like half and half about uh, Mm -hmm. the funds, and it was your savings, and it was the folly tax return I got, and that's what we started it on. And so at the end of the day, I was like, man, if this doesn't work, it's like. Yeah, that was a lot, but uh, at the time, especially, it's like it, it wasn't a massive risk, which sounds kind of bad no. to now. But you, you got to take in all these different factors. But that was kind of I was I was really excited to get back to the bar side and start talking to restaurants because that was the lane at Sam Adams that I was like super super comfortable with, and I think that's kind of back to your point is like play on your strengths. And then what aren't you good at? I never would have started Filterra if I was the brewer. Or if I if, <laughs> I I could not have started Filterra if it was a one-person operation. Like yeah. I just I just couldn't have. It's it's that not is, no. I'm not saying I can't make a great cold brew. I I am confident that I could make a cold brew at home tomorrow that would be better than most. But in order to separate yourself as a business, you can't just be better than most. It has to be a whole different level of difference to even get your foot in the door because you're no brand equity like no name and you're just knocking on doors. Uh, yeah, and th- th- those are kind of my big takeaways of this is that we ha- the what you're making is incredible. And by the way, the fact that I don't make it allows me to say that in a meeting and not come across <laughs> as like super arrogant. Uh, and then very specific lane that we chose. And then the fact that we work with a group of roasters, we have these amazing coffees to work with. And so that's a whole nother layer that we don't have to focus on is like, is the base coffee going to be a great product or is it going to be great tasting? Or do, we have, do we have to worry about the consistency of the roasted coffee? And this is something I kind of thought of recently is that if we were just a cold brew brand and we weren't roasting the coffee and we were just sourcing it from whoever, they don't really care what the coffee would taste like because it's our brand at stake. But by having roaster partners, this is their coffee. And so obviously they're extremely focused on that. Their coffees are going to be very high quality. And so in a weird way, it elevates the entire program because they're focused on roasting the best coffees. And we're mm-hmm. only focused on brewing the best coffees.
1: Cool. And then I roasted one batch of coffee back in the day at bootstrap. And that was enough for me to know it's a whole other rabbit hole that I don't want to go down. Yeah, uh, and you it's... know, selfishly working with all these roasters is a blast for me just cause you get a taste of all these great coffees. You know, it's, um, you know, uh, blue ox was a multi roaster cafe back in the day. That was always, like, the best part of the job was, ooh, what roaster should we reach out to this month and, you know, see. So it's just, yeah, I mean, there's so much good coffee out there. It's, uh, it's a, one of the favorite things of mine is to work with the roasters themselves.
0: Yeah, and I think I think the other side, too, of, like, both you and I are similar that, you know, maybe I'm interested in starting business someday, but, like, ultimately it was – the thing that you found before that turned into a business that you're like, this is just something I'm doing because I want to see if I can make this at home better than I've had. And my path in coffee started with, I just want to find the best tasting coffees. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh wait, this could be a thing. And so that's been a really cool thing about Filterra is like, and what I'm really excited about is, we just met an hour before this started to do our planning of the future. And it's like, yeah, stuff is crazy right now. Our business, our wholesale business is literally like, I don't know ten, five, ten 10, five, 10% of what it was. So we've lost about 90, 95% of our business. And yet most of what we're talking about is our exciting projects that we're going to be able to get going once things normalize a bit. And the home delivery has all of a sudden taken off. And it's like, if, if we didn't have great cold brew, who would want to go out of their way to get a home delivery or even be willing to pay that?
1: Um, yeah, it's been very rewarding, at least.
0: Yeah. And so those are kind of like all the questions I had for you. But I'm sure anybody listening has made cold brew at home at this point in the whole thing. Because if you've listened to this much talk about cold brew, you're probably pretty into <laughs> it. What would be your top tips for somebody who makes cold brew at home to just immediately elevate their game?
1: Oh, great question. Uh, Start with whole bean, just like you would for a regular hot coffee. Grind it fresh if you can. Um, Start with the coarsest setting. Um, And get a coffee that you enjoy hot. You know, if it's not good hot, it's not going to be good cold. Um, What else? Filtration is actually really fun to play around with. Uh, so if you're doing a home home toddy or in a mason jar or something like that, um, you know, it's get a uh, cheesecloth at the very least. It's pretty porous, but um, toddy makes these little filter bags uh, made out of paper, uh, like a giant tea bag or something. And honestly, that was probably one of the biggest innovations. On the filter side was our filtration technology. Um, and it's so easy to do at home. It makes such a big difference. It's like a a clean cup of cold brew versus, you know, something that's kind of muddy and chocks up your mouth. Um,
0: do you think if you filter more coarsely, do the particles that of coffee grounds that get left behind, do you think over time they add to bitterness? Because in theory, if you've got some... Yeah, so it's still so extracting. It's kind of still brewing at a, at a small level. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, I,
1: you noticed, know, one of my prides is like, you know, you finish a a pouch or a glass, whatever, of our cold brew, and there's no sediment at the bottom. It's like a small, like, pleasure of mine. It's like, oh, sweet. Um, and if you go and get something else, I'm trying to think of, like, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but, you know, if you're left at the bottom, there's all that sediment, and it's just, Gross. I don't know. It adds, it chalks up
0: your mouth. Well, the, um, last, the last sip is chalky. And, right. like, yeah. the last you want sip to end a bad with, note. lingers with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, I'm trying to think of. Well, then, the my only other coffee. tip would
1: be get funky. You know, play around with uh, really cold water, or you could start with like a, a hot extraction. And then maybe put some ice in there. Like, uh, you know, don't be afraid to get funky. I know you and I tried to do a, a hot cold brew early on um, and gave up on it just because it wasn't tasting better than just the straight cold brew itself. Um, but that was still, like, a fun thing to experiment with. Um, you know, I've heard people, like, putting blueberries and stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, Here's another one I it. hear a lot. Brewing in – a refrigerated setting, so brewing uh, the coffee, the cold brew in your fridge versus at room temperature.
1: Yeah. So, uh, food safety-wise, you're probably going to be okay either way. But we take Filterra; everything's brewed under refrigeration just to really decrease the chance of any bacteria growth or anything. Uh, but at home, I'd say you can do either or. Uh, just keep in mind the different temperatures. You know, if you're doing it at room temp, it's going to extract faster than it would in the fridge. Hmm. Um, so, you know, if you're putting it in the fridge, maybe do it a few hours longer.
0: Um, what kind of taste differences yeah. would you expect? Let's say you did the same time. Well, I'm, tra- I'm trying to think. So, there's so many variables to play around with. So let's say you did the same amount of time, like 16 hours. One was out of the fridge. One was in the fridge. What flavor differences might you expect?
1: Uh, So the one out of the fridge is going to have Significant more extraction So you're going to get The flavor is going to be a lot more pronounced And not always in a good way Um, You're going to get a ton more body um, Just a lot more kind of in your face Um, And depending on what coffee it is Maybe the one that you brewed at 16 hours at room temp Actually tastes pretty good And the one in the fridge is under extracted Um, That's totally fine Um, if you wanted to kind of do the one in the fridge, you just do it for a little bit longer and you'll get more or less the same end result. So say you did added like four hours to the one in the fridge, you compared them side by side. Um, they're going to be pretty similar. Um, you know, you're just kind of adjusting one variable to, um, get to the same place. Um,
0: would you compare it all to bourbon? So I did, uh, Sazerac, they make Buffalo Trace, they make Pappy Van Winkle, all the really famous bourbons. And they said the, the way bourbon is made is it's aged in a wood barrel, and then the temperature, the reason Kentucky is really good for it is because it's really warm during the day, and it's cool during the night, so the bourbon goes in and out of the wood. At the higher floors of the aging shed, it goes in and out faster because it's higher heat, because it's higher in the building. The ones on the lower is slower because it's a lower temperature. And so if you think about it that way, the best bourbons that they make are somewhere in between, that it's kind of in and out at the perfect pace. The flavor difference between doing a cold brew – stay with me here – the flavor difference between doing a cold brew faster at room temperature versus slower at a refrigerated – are you, even though it's going to be similar in the end, do you think there is a flavor difference between a slower extraction? Um,
1: I would think you, so. If you think,
0: if you think of espresso, if you were to extract too quickly versus slower, do you think that's comparable to cold brew or am I, is this way too much of a stretch?
1: No, there's probably something there. Um, if you do look at a graph of extraction of cold brew, um, you know, you get a ton of extraction in the first twelve hours, and then it kind of like levels off a little bit. Um, so there's that to factor in. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, you know, in my experience. I think every everything in the fridge usually tastes better. Um, you know, make sure you put a uh, like saran wrap over the top of it so it doesn't, you know, take on the flavor of your leftover meatloaf or whatever. Um, Which could be delicious. But <laughs> you're right, meatloaf cold brew. Uh yeah, that's uh I don't think it has too much okay. to do with it. Um Yeah, that's a hard question, man. Is it is it
0: interesting because I actually met with the Department of Agriculture this week and they were asking much more intense questions about the roasting process. And she said that two years ago she wouldn't have to ask any of those questions. And I'm like, what changed? And she said cold brew. Prior to cold brew they didn't consider coffee beans an ingredient because it was brewed hot that the super hot water was a kill, a kill point for any bacteria that might occur. And so ultimately it is, if if you're brewing at room temperature, this is what she said. If you're brewing at room temperature, it's safe. If that roaster is doing everything correctly, which hopefully every roaster is taking the precautions that it's safe. Um, And I guess the last question I'll have for you and I'll let you go here. If somebody is looking for the right type of coffee for their cold brew preferences, generally, what are you looking for? for, What is your preference on a cold brew? And then in terms of like, let's go very basic light to dark, what are you going to get? And then let's go as specific as origin. So the first, what would be like, if you're going to pick one variety of coffee, Cold brew. What would you pick? Um, personally, I think I would go
1: with a natural processed, blah blah blah. Uh, natural processed Ethiopia, Costa Rican, something like that. There's something about that natural process that just adds a, a ton of sweetness. Um, it's almost like a fruit bomb type thing. Yeah. Um, and I really like. It adds a ton of complexity to it. Um. You know, there's a, some fermentation that happens for natural process, and I think that comes through in the cold brew. Yeah. Um, if you're talking about someone else, I would, the first thing I think about is how you're going to consume it. If you're putting cream and sugar in it, you want that to be a pretty robust uh, cold brew. How do you, you cream and sugar? Yeah, <laughs> we don't have cream and sugar. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of the last time. You know, I try not to judge. But it's uh teach their own. Yes. Uh oat milk all day if you're gonna do cream though. But I'll if somebody works in
0: cream and sugar, you were saying
1: yeah, darker roast is gonna be better, and then um something that's really like big body chocolatey like a Brazil um would be great. Um but honestly, like if you're I would have a cup of hot coffee and without any cream and sugar and take whatever you like in that format and try to mimic it with cold brew and it, it's possible like it's it's definitely possible um and i think you'll see a lot of those flavor notes come through
0: um, and then you know if you're... I guess the last thing for the home uh portion of it uh and this is something that we do at Gilterra, but so when you're brewing it at home Typically, that'll end up being a concentrate. Actually, so what ratio of coffee to water would you suggest someone uses if they're brewing at home?
1: It's uh, a good question. I'd say one, one pound to one gallon is kind of like the industrial terms, and you just um, – man, I'd have to look. But I think uh, if you have a home toddy, if I remember right, that comes down to like 10 ounces of whole bean coffee, to, uh, filling the whole thing up with water. Um, it's about an eight to one ratio at the end of the day. Um, and is that
0: going to make a concentrate or, or do you kind of dilute that at the finish?
1: It will make a concentrate. Um, I'm a big believer in whatever tastes good, tastes good. So you taste it as you go. Um, I don't think there's a set way to dilute it. Um, but just know that it is highly caffeinated and, yeah. um, but you don't know, keep diluting it. The more you dilute it, the uh, more of that sweetness will come through, which is a kind of a fun thing, uh, and the colder it is. So um, put your concentrate in the fridge, let it get cold, you know, for 12 hours or whatever, and then dilute it to taste. Um, yeah, have fun with it. Cool. <laughs> yeah, don't think of it as a commodity. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I, I always say this about everything, which is, like, ask a barista. If, if you're yeah. buying your coffee from a roaster, you know, we don't have a cafe, but I've had people email me before like, hey, if you're buying a coffee, shoot them an email a message them on Instagram. And say, hey, I'm going to make this into cold brew. How should I do it? Like, the source will always have the best information. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's something I found to be true, like across the board, hot, cold, whatever. If, however, you're going to brew your coffee, if you reach out to that roaster, they're probably more than happy. To help you find the best recipe to make that taste the best, because it's their coffee, they're passionate about. They're gonna want that to taste Absolutely. the best for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anything else? Don't forget about
1: decaf cold brew.
0: Decaf cold brew. That a <laughs> soft spot in my heart
1: for the, the decaf folks out there. Uh, it, it can be good. Yeah, it,
0: it can be. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're not wrong. But from uh, launching it to market, we are not quite there yet. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Although, let sense. us know. Someday Never when people know. have two or three cold brews on tap at every every location, then all of a sudden decapture the thing. But <laughs> yeah. any anything else? Uh no. I think that's it. Cool, man. Yeah, well, this was awesome. Let's uh everybody stay safe out there. Like this is a very weird time, and obviously on our front it's very weird, but yeah, hopefully when all this is over we can get rocking and roll again and start slinging some great cold brew. Uh, yeah you check at, out the website
1: get yeah, a home delivery Yep,
0: yeah, website right now www.filterra.coffee I'll have that uh, it's in the post you can find that Filterra co is the Instagram he's at Barista Brandon uh, yeah that's going to be that's going to be all I got for you unless you got any uh, unless you want to do any yeah, freestyle rapping true. before we go
1: absolutely not <laughs> you could going pay man. me enough in the world.
0: <laughs> Thanks for joining, man. Have a good one.
1: See you guys.